0: For those of you who haven't been here I'm just going to introduce Richard. Richard um, is from King's Church in, in Manchester and it's been a privilege for Alan and I to get to know uh, Richard and his wife Judith and uh, it, it's great how God builds relationships and build connections and you know we shouldn't be scared of having another minister or a quipper I should say from the city um, in our own church. We might only be five miles down the road, but we are one body. We're one body. And so let's just welcome Richard as he comes to bring the word. Thank you um, very much. It's a great um, honor and a privilege to be with you and a joy um, to be with such a fantastic church. It's true that it's not often that Um, when you um, are in leadership in a church that you get to be with another church so close by because often if you're out visiting it's To some other kind of relationship elsewhere in the country or in another country. So it's so good um, to be part, you know, together with part of our family here um, in Salford and Manchester. Um, So thank you for having me. Um, I want to say a special hello um, to the um, Iranian section because I keep hearing repeatedly um, all weekend about um, the Iranian, um, the Farsi speaking um, people amongst the church. So, Khodor Barakat Bedi Beshoma. Um, Yeah, I know. I repent of my pride, Lord. Um, (laughs) That was to the Lord, not you. (laughs) Um, We had um, a great time um, Friday evening, uh, all day um, yesterday. Um, God is on the move, and you've heard people um, refer to that repeatedly, and you know, if you haven't made it um, so far, and this is your first time uh, over this um, weekend, there is grace for you, and, um, and just don't do it again. Be here tonight, okay? We've been having a great time. God's been speaking to us about how he just wants to bring us into a new season um, in his church. Uh, and it's not just about one particular church congregation, but about what he's doing in his church, um, in this nation, in this region, and in this um, nation. And in my session yesterday, um, we looked at just why we must give ourselves, why we must pursue signs and wonders, how signs and wonders are not the playthings of the particularly enthusiastic um, wing of the church. You know, the, the, the happy clappies who get excited and, and like to wobble and shake, um, but actually signs and wonders are part of the gospel. Yes. Yeah. We looked at how the the Bible uses various different ways of describing what Jesus has done for us at the cross in his death and his resurrection, in his ascension into heaven and in his pouring out of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we said one of the things that we so often emphasize is how he he paid the price. He paid the price for my punishment, that I didn't have to go to hell, that I didn't have to spend an eternity without him, but that I could go to heaven and, and be with him. And that's amazing, That's amazing. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, it's worth it just for that. To escape an eternity in hell and to be assured of an eternity with him forever in paradise, that's worth it. But we also said that there's more to the gospel than that, that that is not the only analogy that the scripture gives us. That it's not just about escaping the earth and getting into heaven, but it's actually all about getting heaven onto the earth. That that's the plan and purpose of God, and that's the amazing gospel that Jesus came to proclaim. He said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. I must tell people the good news that there is more to this life. That there is more than the mundane monotony that you've got used to. There is more than the limitations that you thought were all around you. You thought you couldn't escape the way things are in this broken world. But I am here, says Jesus, to tell you that there is another kingdom. Another rule and another reign. A better kingdom that is coming into our world. There's an amazing future. But Jesus says the time is now. The kingdom is at hand. You can enter into it. And signs and wonders are part of our gospel. Yeah. Because signs and wonders are the demonstration that there is more than you've experienced so far. Yeah that those limitations that you thought were in place, that brokenness all around you, you thought it was inevitable. But signs and wonders say there is a rule and a reign that goes beyond what you've experienced in this earth. There is more. And your friends and my friends, your neighbors and mine, your colleagues and mine need to know that there is more to this life, that there is a king, that he is on his throne, that there is a kingdom that they can enter into and it is real. Yes. That the return of Jesus Christ is not a fairy story on the same level as Elsa and her wonderful song, Let It Go. And it's just a craze. It's just a fairy story. It's just, a, oh, isn't that nice? The Christians believe in the nice, cute, and cuddly Jesus. This is the truth. Yeah. This is a sure and certain future. There is a real supernatural kingdom where there is no mourning or crying or pain, where the old order of things has passed away, where there is no more death, where there is only resurrection life. And we stand for this truth. And so we look to Paul preaching Uh, speaking in his letter to the Romans and how he said that because he had preached the gospel with signs and wonders following, he had fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And we owned up to the fact that if signs and wonders are missing from our preaching of the gospel, we have not yet fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, one of the brilliant ways that Jesus describes the gospel is through the story of the prodigal son. And that son was supposed to labor together with his father and his brother in the family business. And he was supposed to labor together in his inheritance. But he said, I want what's coming to me now. I want to go off and pursue my own way and do my own thing. And that's what every single one of us did. You see, God made us for a relationship with himself, to be sons and to be daughters, to labor together in establishing his kingdom to the ends of the earth to see everything be the way he wanted it to be, right to the ends of the earth. It started in a garden, and he said, you take it to the ends of the earth, fill the earth, bring it under my rule and reign. But we said, no, we'll have our inheritance, we'll go off and we'll do our own thing, we'll be the masters of our own destiny. And that's what happened in that story. And so the son goes off and he makes a mess of his life, and finally he comes to the realization, I've totally broken and messed up everything. But look, the servants of my father... They still, they still at least get to eat. They get paid. They get something provided for them. I know what, I've ruined my sonship relationship. But at least I can go back and be a slave. At least I can go back and be a hired worker. At least I can go back and earn something. And so he goes back to his father, and the father is having none of it because the father is not looking for servants and slaves and hired workers. But the father wants his son back. Come on, come on. And religious people, they come to God and they try to earn his favour and approval and they say, let me do something for you because I've made a mess of my life. And maybe it's well intended, but people in all kinds of religions are doing just that. They're trying to earn God's favour and approval. And God is saying, I don't want you back as a slave. I want you back as my son. I want you back as my daughter. I want you to be part of the inheritance again. I want you, your inheritance is this kingdom that fills the whole earth. Your inheritance is this kingdom that Jesus came to proclaim. And he says, I want you part of this again. So signs and wonders are not us trying to earn something. They're not us trying to validate that we're we're really a a great kind of, you know, God's man of power for the hour. Um, Signs and wonders are part of you and me simply as children partnering with our Father. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Signs and wonders are part of you owning your identity as a child of God. Come on. I am God's son. I am God's daughter. He took hold of me. I thought I had to somehow go through the motions, go to enough church services, go to enough Bible studies, maybe fast a few times during the year, and maybe, maybe he'll just give me a few blessings. And if I do enough Bible studies, maybe he'll, he'll give me a pay rise. It's not the way it works, folks. He loves you because you're his child. I don't look at my children. I have three children. I don't look at my children and say, well, did they do enough around the house today? I'll decide whether I'm going to love them. (laughs) You know, sometimes I wish they'd do more around the house. And I'm sure sometimes God wishes we'd do more. But it never affects my love for them. Now, if I am an imperfect human father, now what about God? who is love, whose love never, ever, ever fails. If you are here today and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I don't know you, I don't know who's here, but if you are here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, he makes it possible for you to come back into an amazing relationship with a father who loves you and who will never, ever, ever leave you who will never abuse you, who will never um, abandon you, who will never give up on you, who will always keep believing in you. Um, It is not uh, too late. You have not gone too far. You have not made too big a mess of your life. You can come back to him right now and he holds his arms wide open and he says, let's do this together. Let's do this family business thing together. You can be an equal part of it. You can be just as much as every other single person in this church building. Uh, You are of equal value and equal worth. Let's go out there and let's change this world together. The fact that the preaching of the gospel without signs and wonders is, let's be honest, a deficient preaching of the gospel. It's not to say that when we've shared the gospel with someone and there haven't been signs and wonders, it's not to say that's not good. That's still great, and it's certainly better than nothing. But it's owning up to the fact that there is something more. There's something more that this should be part of, our preaching of the gospel, But owning up to that fact could actually put us under a lot of pressure. Because we're like, oh my goodness, I've got to do signs and wonders. I mean, you know, talk about pressure. Um, When I found out that Jared Cooper um, was the other speaker at this conference, um, the um, signs and wonders man, and oh, by the way, did I mention he wrote King of Kings Majesty? (laughs) And, you know, and, and, and his products are at the back, and I'm like, well, I've got no products. I've never written a song. Um, you know, I haven't got, like, teenagers in my church going around opening the ears of the deaf every week. Um, pressure. Pressure can come on you. And then I'm sat, sat there on Friday night, and I thought, oh, Lord, he's even funny too. <laughs> I mean, he was a nice guy. I mean, you, you, you want him to at least be nasty. <laughs> pressure. Oh my goodness, I've got to perform, I've got to do something. We have to understand that signs and wonders being part of the gospel is all about us partnering with our Father. Because the gospel itself says, I want to restore you into a partnership relationship. I'm not looking for you to earn something. I'm not looking for you to labor at something so that I'll give you your wages and approve of you and I'll mark you out of 10. How good a healing was that? Still a few twinges, and we'll give you a nine. Oh. That one's still got a plaster on it, that's only a six. Oh. No, this is not about us trying to be somehow graded and approved or earn our keep from our Father. This is about us, our Father saying, I want you in relationship with myself. Yeah, I love you and I couldn't possibly love you anymore. Yeah. I love you and I love you and I love you and it's never in question because I am convinced that neither height nor depth or, you know, angel or demon or anything else in all of creation, and I've missed out a few there, can separate us from the love of Christ. Come on. His love is unquestionable. Yeah. He is never going to stop loving you. He is absolutely delighted in you as his son, as his daughter, and his smile is towards you. Yeah. God rejoices over you with singing. He loves you. He loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you. Did anybody notice? God loves you. He loves you. That's amazing. You can do anything. You can make the biggest mess of preaching the gospel, and he'll still love you. You can, be, you can be gripped with fear, and I'm going to go on to why that's not a good thing, but you can be gripped with fear and totally fluff it every single day of the week and just like, oh, man, I didn't preach the gospel again, and they even said to me, why are you a Christian? And I said, oh, I don't know really. And, and he'll still love you. He'll still love you. He'll still be your father, and you still will be the apple of his eye, and he will delight in you. So the pressure's off, folks. It's all about a relationship with our Father. As if we had the power to heal the sick. As if we had the power to do the supernatural. Uh It's not about me and my power. It's not about, you know, we know, don't we? There's this link. Jesus makes it really clear for us. Um, There's this link, this clear link between the supernatural and faith. Yeah. We have to be really careful here because sometimes people get locked up and they think, why is, you know, is the reason that I'm ill because I don't have enough faith? And, and they think about faith in terms of mind over matter. Is it like I'm not screwing up my eyes hard enough and, and saying the right thing? Maybe I didn't get the right prayer technique. Maybe I didn't say in the name of Jesus enough times. Or, or maybe I should be saying by the blood, by the blood, by the blood. Or you know, did I get the right technique? Did I get the right words? Did I, did I, did I concentrate hard enough? And sometimes it becomes like, almost like, you know, if I shout louder somehow. And we had a good laugh at that, didn't we, with with Jared? It's kind of like, you know, if it's not working, shout louder. It doesn't work that way. Because faith is not about a technique. Jesus makes it clear there's a link between faith and the supernatural. One time his disciples come to him and they say, well, why couldn't we heal? Or why couldn't we cast out a demon? And Jesus says, it's because of your lack of faith. But then we interpret that and we, we kind of get all locked up with that and we think it's about our technique. And we think it's like, oh, well, it's my fault now and, and then we add guilt and condemnation onto all the other hang-ups we've already got. It's kind of like my fault now that I didn't have the right technique or I didn't you know, kind of try hard enough to believe. You can't believe more by trying harder. No, no, no. Faith is rooted in your relationship with God. Yeah. Faith is rooted in your relationship with God, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But the thing is this, you can't just pick something and pretend that you've got absolute assurance that it's going to happen. On what basis do you have assurance that something is going to happen? It's on the basis of God told you it was going to happen. Yeah. So our great hope, our great faith is in a kingdom that is coming into this world. Yeah. That Jesus is coming again. Mm-hmm. That every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on. That everything will be placed under his feet. And when he comes, even the last enemy, death itself, will be placed under him. So we have absolute faith and certainty that this kingdom will be fully established to the ends of the earth, and that the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But why do we have absolute faith and assurance of that? Because we have confidence in the one who promised. Because we believe in Jesus. Because we believe in God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we believe that what he's shown to us is true. We have confidence in him. Our hope is entirely based on what God has said to us. Yeah, that's right. Fear, on the other hand. Fear is based in our lack of confidence. In our own ability to control the situation that we're facing. Fear Well, fear can cripple us, can't it? It can get a hold of us. You know, I remember, I genuinely was when I was preparing um, this week, and it just kept coming into my head, oh, my goodness, it's Jared Cooper. (laughs) I mean, what am I... I wasn't obviously going to share this yesterday when he was still here, but (laughs) I was like, oh, my goodness, what have I got to offer? Because that's what the enemy does. You know, suddenly my eyes are off of what has God said? What is, who, who is he in me? What does he want to do in me? What does he want to do through me? Suddenly, my eyes are onto my own lack of ability to perform on, on the external circumstances. We fear getting hurt sometimes. We fear making a mess of things. We fear embarrassment. I mean, that really cripples us, doesn't it? When it comes to signs and wonders, what if it doesn't happen? What if I step out? What if I say in front of all my colleagues, Jesus is going to heal you now? And he doesn't. We fear the loss of our reputation. We fear whether we've got it all wrong. Maybe we went to the wrong kind of church. Maybe those cessationists have got a point after all. Fear can be crippling yeah. in all its different guises, in all its different forms. Fear can take a hold of us. And fear is the enemy of faith. Look at this in Luke chapter 8. Luke 8, 49. Sorry, my Bible's turning slowly. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. "'Your daughter is dead,' he said. "'Don't bother the teacher anymore.'" What's Jesus' response immediately on hearing this? You see, he understands, he understands what this father, um, what he will be feeling, what will be going through his mind. Jesus knows people perfectly. And so what's his first response when this father hears this news? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed when he arrived at the house of Jairus he did not let anyone go with him except peter john and james and the child's father and mother meanwhile all the people were wailing and mourning for her stop wailing jesus said she's not dead but asleep they laughed at him knowing that she was dead but he took her by the hand and said my child get up her spirit returned and at once she stood up praise god Amen. that's true by the way yeah yeah, yeah. I, I always like to remind people when we read the stories in the bible those are true stories it's amazing, isn't it? This little girl raised from the dead. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Yeah. I don't believe that was about sticking your fingers in your ears and going la 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 and ignoring the circumstances in the world around us. Because scripture teaches us Abraham, the great example of faith, faced the fact that he was as good as dead. Yeah. Yeah. He faced the facts. It's not about denial, it's not about mind over matter. What Jesus was inviting Jairus to do was to have confidence in him. To put more attention on who Jesus was than on the situation that was in front of him. Yeah. If I can illustrate it like this. One time I had the privilege um, of visiting um, Bethel Church in Reading in California. Now, that's a church that is um, becoming increasingly known for a number of healings that are going on. And um, we'd have the um, privilege of having um, Chris Gore, who's the director of healing ministries. I mean, you know a church is is really pressing into healing when they have a full-time member of staff just for healing. And um, so he came over and did a conference for us. And then I had this opportunity to go and just to see what they're doing in their church and how they're pressing in for more of God's healing power uh, amongst them. And one of the things that Chris arranged for me to do while I was there was to um, visit their healing rooms ministry. And um, and I I went round and, and, you know, they told me just find anything that's wrong with you, you know, just even if it's a headache or something, but just so that you can experience what it's like for someone coming too. So I did that. I went round the the different um, stations and, and what they did in their healing rooms. It was amazing. But then when that came to an end, Chris had said to his team, he wasn't able to be there, but he said to his team, I want you to give Richard just like every opportunity, let him see everything. So, so they just gave me this badge. And they have this system that is kind of like green dots, yellow dots, and red dots. And if you're a red dot, you're kind of like, you're allowed to be with someone praying. It's how the people learn, they go along, they pray with someone, else, but they don't, they're not allowed to say anything. They're just like observers. If you're a yellow dot, you're allowed to pray, but you can't be on your own praying. You have to have a green dot with you. And if you're a green dot, you can just go anywhere and you can pray for anyone. So they gave me this badge, and they gave me a green dot on this badge. And then, I know, and then, it <laughs> must have been the glow. And, and then, and then we, were, we were kind of there, and I was thinking, well, I'll just kind of learn and see what they're doing. And, but, but there were too many people, and there weren't enough prayer teams. So, so someone who didn't know that I was visiting, because it's like a massive operation, comes up to me, sees the green dot. Great, you're a green dot. Gives me suddenly a yellow dot and a red dot and sends me off. And I'm like, this yellow dot and this red dot, they know the system because they're part of the church. I don't have a clue how any of this works. So I'm just like looking at what other people are doing and trying to pick up what we're supposed to do. And they're looking at me to be the green dot. So I'm looking and and there's all these people, they're like lined up in front of you and you can go and and it's like, you know, the Holy Spirit's supposed to tell you who to go and pray for. So I'm thinking, Holy Spirit, which one's got a headache? (laughs) Which one's got a headache? And... Fear starts to take hold of me. Oh my goodness, they're looking to me as the green dot. And, and I'm supposed to perform, and, and, and I'm supposed, you know, and, and my reputation, the reputation of my church is at stake, and, you know, and, and England, they're going to think the English can't heal people. And, and fear starts to take hold and so I go for this man, and I think, well, he he looks pretty healthy, really. Yeah. So, so the Holy Spirit tells me, go for him. So, so I bring this man over, and then I realize that he can't really walk very well. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. And so... And so we start to pray and, and, and nothing really much seems to be happening and, 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 and he's had this motorbike accident like years ago and it's like he's been living with this kind of like one leg longer than the, well it's kind of, it's not that it, they were originally longer but it's one's all kind of like bowed and twisted and, and oddly shaped and, and he like pulls the trouser leg up and I'm like, oh God, <laughs> it's like everyone's going to see. Um, And so we pray. And do you know, in that moment, something really powerful happened. God taught me such a powerful lesson. He said to me, Richard, are you going to be more aware of the circumstance in front of you or of the Jesus who's inside of you? Are you going to be more aware of the circumstance in front of you or the Jesus who's inside of you? It was nothing to do with technique. It was nothing to do with saying the right things or shouting louder or having the right, you know, verses to quote in the situation. It was all about my relationship with God. It was all about being more impressed with the God who lives inside of me than with the situation in front of me. And in that moment, I was able genuinely to tap into a confidence and a belief and a reassurance. Jesus, you are amazing and i don't know what i prayed i couldn't tell you what words i prayed i mean i started but my prayer was it was a totally inspiring prayer and i'm sure the others the yellow dot and the red dot probably learned a lot from it i was like lord i don't have a clue how to do this i really don't know how to heal this person i was praying this in front of them it was like how to build faith i really don't know how to heal this person but I do know that you're inside of me, and I do know that you are much bigger than this situation. So Jesus, I'm out of answers, but it's all over to you, and I release everything that you are inside of me, and let this person be healed in Jesus' name. He sat down against the wall, and he put his legs out. I thought nothing looked very different, but his wife was jumping up and down with excitement. And she starts getting a mobile phone out, and she takes photos of him sat against this wall. I'm thinking, well, I didn't really notice anything. Uh, But now his heels are perfectly aligned. And she shows me a photo that she took that morning in their hotel room. She said, God told me today was the day that he would be healed. And so I took a photo, here's the evidence. I could have been robbed by my fear. Fear is so powerful and it can paralyze. But it is time for us to face our fears. See, the great thing about facing your fears is they suddenly lose their power when you expose them to truth. When you come before Jesus and you say, Do you know what? I wanna be, I wanna own up, I wanna fess up, I'm not gonna pretend. I'm not going to pretend that I've got it all together and that I've got all the answers and I'm like healing people every day of the week and it's easy for me. I'm actually going to be honest with you, Lord, and say sometimes I get scared. Sometimes I get afraid that it's not going to happen. Sometimes I worry about my reputation. So bring the fear to Jesus and ask him what the truth is. Yeah. Bring the fear to Jesus and ask him what the truth is. Right. Come on. Say, Jesus, I'm afraid because of this or because of that, and, he will t- and you, s- you say to him, so what's the truth in this situation? That's- And he'll start to speak to you and he'll say, well, I'm inside of you. I am with you. I never expected you to do this in your own ability. He'll remind you of the truth. I am the healer. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It's not about quoting those scriptures to try and like, la, 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 la. It's about believing Jesus, the personal Jesus, the person who is inside of you by the Holy Spirit. It's not about believing in some kind of force, despite the video, Um, It's about knowing you have a relationship. The reason I love that video is because it's all about that child's relationship with his father. It's only because of who his father is that he's able to do anything. It's all rooted in your relationship with Jesus. And one more thing that I want to just highlight for us. Because fear is an enemy of faith. But there's something else as well. Matthew 13, 53 to 58 Now, Jared did touch on this slightly, but I just want to press into this a little bit more because I believe that there is a freedom for some people here this morning that you need to receive right now. Matthew 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there, and coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? And why then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. You see, fear is an enemy of faith, and offense is an enemy of faith. Fear is an enemy of faith, and offense is an enemy of faith. Jesus said, um, he quoted Isaiah when he said, in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And that can equally be translated a stone of of offense, a rock of offense. You see, people trip over Jesus when they take offense at him. And we're used to that when it comes to thinking of non-Christians who may be offended at the gospel because the gospel itself is offensive because it says you have to die to yourself. You have to die to it being all about you and put all of your hope and trust in Jesus. But actually, I want to suggest to us that some of us are sometimes offended at God. You say to me, Richard, that's crazy. I'm here on. I? I have not been offended at God. Well, Any of you who are married or who live with parents or who live with friends would be able to say you've been offended by the people that you live with but you still turn up for breakfast in the morning. You know, the fact that you're turning up at church doesn't mean that you haven't taken offense at God. What do I mean? What kind of things might we take offense at? Well, what about that time that you prayed and you didn't see the answer that you were looking for? What about the time you prayed and it was in front of your colleagues and you did take a risk because you'd put all that teaching into practice, you know, and we were told that we had to be bold and that we had to be filled with the Spirit. And so we prayed and we spent time. and We got drunk in the Spirit and we went out and we were bold and it all went horribly wrong. Maybe that caused some offense in your heart. Or things that, that, that you know, maybe you were believing God for provision. You know, you've been looking to God for a job. And, and it's, been, it's been a long time. It's been a number of months. And, and people keep getting up and testifying that God gave them a job. And actually, it all came to a head when one Sunday, five people got up in a row and testified, it's the season for new jobs. And they were all getting jobs. And then one guy got up and he said, well, I got offered three jobs and I didn't want any of them. And maybe in your heart there was a seed of offense. Yeah, yeah. God, how could you do this to me? All kinds of things. I'm not going to be able to go through every scenario. Maybe it's something that God says. Maybe it's something that God stands for. Maybe you've got friends and, I don't know, they've made certain choices in life and everything inside of you because you love them and you want it to be okay, and yet the Bible tells you that that's wrong, those choices that they're making, and now you're grappling with this tension because you love them and you don't want to be nasty and mean and spiteful like the world tells you you are when you hold to biblical truth. And so suddenly, maybe you're offended at God. Why do you have to make it so hard? It can be all kinds of things, but the point is this, when something gets in the way of your relationship with God, see, I'm not talking about whether you're reading your Bible, I'm talking about how you feel about God. You see, it's so hard to put your trust and confidence in someone that you've got an issue with. You know that humanly, it's really hard to trust people that you've got an issue with. You know, you know you've know you got an issue, don't you, when they come into the room and they say something that really otherwise would be perfectly reasonable, but it really annoys you. You know, when, when someone, there's a root of offense. If there's offense somewhere crept in to our relationship with God, we need to deal with it. Now, of course, when we're dealing with offense with another person, we have to be open to the fact that maybe they're right or maybe I'm right. When you're dealing with an offense with God, there's only one option. He's yeah. right. Yeah. So the way to deal with it when we have taken offense of God is to say, God, I'm really struggling with how I'm feeling here, but I want to repent right now. I want to say I'm sorry, because I know that you're right. And now I'm going to ask you, in your grace and in your mercy, would you help me to understand? Would you help me to let go of these feelings? It's not like I can forgive God because he's not done anything wrong, but I need to let go of those things that have caused me pain. And I need to make a choice to trust him. Because if there's fear or if there is offense that's getting in the way of my relationship with God, then my ability to partner with my father, that wonderful childlike faith that Jesus exhorts us to have, that wonderful expression that's, that's kind of beautifully illustrated in that, that clip, selling apparently unclean diesel cars. Um, <laughs> but that wonderful relationship, that simplicity, I know that my father, it's his job. He's going to do it all, but I'm so confident in my relationship with him that I can step out boldly in faith. So let's deal with the enemies of faith in our lives. Let's deal with the fear. Let's deal with any offenses. Tonight, I'm going to speak about friends of faith, just to put a more positive spin on things. And then we're going to have a great time together, and I believe we're going to see people here healing one another when we come together um, this evening. It's a great way of practicing what's going to happen in our communities and our workplaces. So I trust it's been a blessing to you, but there's more to come this evening. So I hope that you'll come back. Bless you.